Testament. We'll be looking at verses one through seven. It is truly good to be here with you this morning. I'm an army chaplain at Fort Campbell, as you've heard. Uh, my wife and kids are at home this morning. They wish that they could have been with you. Unfortunately, like many of your families, COVID has had its way through my, with my wife and my children. So pray for them as I pray for you and your families as well. Yeah, I'm thankful to be gathered here and to have the opportunity today to worship with you and to honor the name of Christ. I'm thankful as well for your pastor and my friend, Kevin Maples, who has entrusted me with his pulpit this morning. I am very grateful for that. You know, Pastor Kevin and I first became friends over 20 years ago when we were both seminary students. We, we met an extension course in Maryville, Tennessee. We were both church planters at the time, and we would often commiserate together about the difficulties and the challenges of being young ministers. Our friendship has spanned the, the test of time, and I am forever grateful for that friendship. It was a little over 15 years ago that the Lord spoke to me, however, and called me to take a turn of directions. In 2006, my wife and I began to experience that call to move toward the military and toward the Army chaplaincy. And in the summer of 2007, I put on the Army uniform as a active duty U.S. Army chaplain. During the 15 years since that time, I've had the privilege of being stationed at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Wainwright, Alaska, uh, the Pentagon, uh, Arlington National Cemetery, and a couple times now at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. During those assignments, I also was experienced uh, or had the experience and the blessing really of being deployed three separate times. Uh, once in 2008 and 2009 to Iraq, I had the privilege of deploying with the 4th Infantry Division out of Fort Hood, Texas. My second deployment uh, was to Afghanistan with the 25th Infantry Division, 1st uh, Brigade out of Alaska. And then finally, my third deployment was with the Criminal Investigation Division out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. It was during my second deployment, however, that everything changed for me that my relationship with God would be forever reshaped. In May of 2011, while serving with an infantry battalion out of Alaska, I deployed to the Horn of Panjaway in Afghanistan. There we took over some battle space from the Canadians. We uh, quickly dug in and for a year, we worked hard at creating peace in a place that hadn't known peace in decades. However, as we worked our way through that deployment, things became rough, and that deployment would cost us the lives of 10 young men, and it would cost countless others the opportunity to ever live lives that were completely whole. I remember praying before during the early days of that deployment that God would keep our soldiers from harm. Perhaps a bit naively, I believed and I had hoped that we would somehow all return home without the loss of life or limb, but that was not to be. One by one, 
My soldiers fell in battle. There seemed to be no end to the improvised explosive devices that plagued our every patrol. With each passing memorial ceremony, I felt a bit a bit and a, or a piece of me die until anger, grief, fear, and disappointment overwhelmed my journey. In fact, if truth be told, I became disappointed with God. I felt as though God had abandoned us, as though he no longer cared. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt as though your prayers went unanswered? As though God didn't care or that he had abandoned you? It almost seems sacrilegious to even begin to admit such a thing. But if there's one overwhelming lesson that I learned during my time in Afghanistan, it is that God can handle our honesty. In fact, it's often during these darkest and most difficult days of our lives that we finally get real with God and with ourselves. And it's in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that honesty, that God speaks into our lives. It was, it was into the darkness of my time in Afghanistan that God spoke to me and he said, Fear not, I am with you. You can trust me. This morning, I invite you to hear from God's word. As we open our Bibles to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7, I would like to invite you to please stand with me as we read from God's word. Isaiah writes, beginning in verse 1, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and whom I made. Let us pray. Almighty God, we are thankful for your word this morning. But in the midst of this time of, of seeking your face, Father, there are many in this place that struggle, whose journey has been difficult, who have gone through times when they have asked that hard question, God, why? Father, I know that there are some listening this morning through the internet, online, that are sitting at home this morning and struggling with bitterness, with grief, with disappointment, and with darkness. Speak light into our lives today. Open this word to our hearts and to our minds. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. In today's passage, 
the prophet Isaiah is addressing the issue of fear. Specifically, it's the fear of abandonment. Israel was in exile in Babylon at this time, and she was afraid. She was afraid that God had forgotten her. She was afraid that he had abandoned her as a people. In the previous chapter, in Isaiah chapter 42, we are told that this was a people plundered and looted. Certainly, Israel deserved to be in exile. She had reasons to be afraid. Because of her sin, God himself had driven her there in order that she might be humbled. But even before he punished her in grace, God promised that one day he would rescue her. One day her hard service would be over, her sins would be paid for, and God would gather her back home. As the new Israel, this is our hope as well. Sometimes it can seem like our wait is way too long. Sometimes the challenges of life in this broken and sinful world can make it seem as though God has forgotten us, as though he has abandoned us. That surgery that never seems to heal right, that loneliness that never quite get alleviated, the bad habits that continue to plague us, or the depression that just won't go away. Sometimes we wonder if God has forgotten us and we become afraid. Maybe it doesn't seem that way in your heads, but in your heart, it seems to be very true. But now, in the face of our fears, whatever they may be, God speaks to us this morning and he says, do not fear. I'd like to share with you this morning six reasons why, no matter what you're going through, to fear not and to trust God. If you're a note taker this morning, I encourage you to pull out a pen, to take a few notes, and hopefully this will speak to that place of darkness in your life. The first reason that we can trust God this morning is because we were created by God. Look with me at verse 1, where Isaiah writes, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. The story of our creation is preserved for us in the book of Genesis, where God said in chapter 1, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. King David gives us more details later on in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms in chapter 139 when he said, you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He goes on to say that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before yet even one of them came to be. God spoke to me in the midst of my darkness that day in Afghanistan. And he speaks into the chaos of your struggles now. And he says, do not be afraid. I am the one who created you, who formed you out of the dust of the earth, who knit you together in your mother's womb. I made you my image and you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. No matter what it is that you're going through this morning, no matter what God may be doing in your life, 
Know that God is not surprised by any of it. All of your days are written in his book before yet even one of them came to be. I'm thankful this morning that there's nothing that surprises God. I'm thankful this morning that we can trust God because we have been created by him. We are God's creation, and we are made in his image. That's powerful doctrine this morning, amen? We belong to God, and we are made in his image. The second reason that we can trust God is that because we are created in his image, we are valuable And we are so valuable that when sin entered this world and separated us from him, that God redeemed us. We can't trust God this morning because we are redeemed. Look with me at verse 1 as it continues by saying, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I was driving up here this morning. Very slowly, I'll add, through uh, snow and ice. There were cars off the road everywhere. But for some reason, I let my mind begin to wander and think more and more about this passage. And suddenly, it clicked in my mind that when God says this in verse 1, he's speaking to us in a past tense verb. He says, for I have redeemed you. Any of us that understand English in the slightest way understand that that ED on the end of the redeem means this is past tense. Do you realize that God spoke these words hundreds of years before Jesus even came to this world? Speaking to the nation of Israel, he says that I have redeemed you. I love that hope. That in the, in the very history of time, before we were ever created, God redeemed us. Although Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, they were also created with a free will. To either choose to follow God in his ways or to choose a different path. And we all know the story. They chose another path. And in a moment, everything for them changed. And everything for us as well. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10... The scripture tells us that they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. In the midst of their sin, God called out to them. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Well, the prophet Isaiah tells us uh, in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 that our iniquities have made a separation between us and our God. And our sins have hidden his face from us so that he does not hear. In the midst of their sin, Adam and Eve were separated from God and they were afraid. Someone listening this morning may be thinking, What does this have to do with me? I get it that Adam and Eve sinned and they were separated from God, but that's not my story. That's not me. I've lived a good life. I've done the right things, and yet God still seems so far from me. As an Army chaplain, I love to talk to soldiers about my love for Coca-Cola. In fact, if the truth be known, I'm a Coke addict. Any other Coke addicts here in the audience? I'm a Coke addict. I'll tell you the truth that when I'm struggling through my week and struggling with work, whatever, one Coca-Cola can change it all. My whole body suddenly goes, ah. 
and life is right again. Amen. When I'm sharing with soldiers, I often share illustrations that may not always be appropriate for a church environment like this, but I want to share one with you about Coke that, that I think you'll understand. When I find myself with the soldiers and I'm out in the field, I'll often have a Coke in my pocket just so that I can share this story. And I'll pull it out and I'll tell them about the fact that I'm a Coke addict. And I'll ask if any of them are Coke addicts as well, and inevitably two or three will throw up their hands and I'll give the Coke to one of them and say, go ahead and enjoy, it's yours. So they do just that. Then I'll reach into my other pocket and I'll pull out a, an old water bottle. And in that water bottle isn't water, but there's a yell, yellowish kind of brownish looking liquid. And every soldier, I see a few of you already beginning to chuckle. Every soldier knows exactly what that is because at the end of the day, every soldier's too lazy to walk out of his tent at night or to leave his room where he's sleeping to go find the latrine, but instead will grab an old water bottle and use it to relieve himself. So I'll pull out that old water bottle and I say, how many of you know what this is? And of course, they all just chuckle because they know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll say, let me see that Coke again. I'll get the Coke back and open it up and then I'll open up this other bottle and take one drop of that yellow, yellowish looking liquid and I'll put it in the Coke. And then I'll hand it back to the soldiers and say, go ahead and enjoy it now. And of course, you know the answer. Chaplain, I'm not gonna drink that Coke. And I'll say, well, why not? And they'll tell me because it has urine in it. And I'll say, well, how do you know it has urine in it? And they'll say, well, sir, I saw you put it in there. Well, I'll ask the question, can you see it in there? Can you smell it in there? Can you taste it in your Coke? That Coke is 99.9% .9 pure and you won't drink it? Absolutely. They won't. Well, every once in a while, one will surprise me and he'll go ahead and chug it anyway. All right. But that bottle really just had iced tea in it, so they were never at risk. I wouldn't make that kind of a, of a, a presumption about any soldier. But I think you get the, the moral of that story. We often think that we live good lives. Amen. We go to First Baptist Church, Madisonville, every Sunday. You even get up for the 830 service. What were you thinking? You give in the offering plate, you do the right things, you read your scriptures, you live a good life. And as you look at yourself as compared to those around you, you might think that you're a pretty good person. But the truth of the matter is that when sin entered the world, we became sinners. We are sinners and we sin because we are sinners. You might be 99.9% .9 pure this morning, but because of that one little drop of sin in your life, your life is good for nothing but pouring out on the ground. That sin separates us from God. In fact, this morning, Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 goes on to tell us that the wages of that sin, that consequences of that sin is separation from God. But I'm thankful this morning that Romans 6.23 doesn't stop there. It goes on to use a very big word with just three letters, and it says, but. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here it is. The good news of the gospel. The good news of redemption. And the very reason why God says to us in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. That word redeemed here means to buy out. 
The term was used specifically in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. The application of this term to Christ's death on the cross is very intriguing to us. If we are redeemed, then our prior condition was one of slavery, that we were slaves to sin. But God, through his infinite wisdom, through his sacrifice on that cross, purchased our freedom, and we are no longer in bondage to sin. We can trust God this morning because of his death on the cross, because we have been redeemed, and we are no longer slaves to sin, but instead we have been bought with a price, and because we are bought with a price, the third reason we can trust God this morning is because we belong to God. Amen? We belong to God. Look with me at verse 1 where it continues to say, I have called you by name and you are mine. One of the greatest truths in my life is not the knowledge of who I am. I'm not an army chaplain, husband, a father of six, or any other title you want to put on me. That is not who I am. The question is, whose I am? And this morning, I can tell you that I belong to God. I can't trust God because I belong to him. That is why the apostle Paul was able to say in Romans chapter 14 and verse 8, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's great news this morning, church. Amen. We belong to the Lord. We were created in his image. We have great value to him. We have been redeemed. And because we have been redeemed, we have been bought with a price, and we belong to God. Before God spoke to me during the darkest days of that deployment in Afghanistan, I'd come to the point where I feared any longer going out with my troops on foot patrols. I didn't want to die. I wanted to return home to my wife and to my children, to the journey that I had there. But God spoke to me in that time of darkness, and he reminded me that he had created me for this very purpose, and that he had called me by name to serve our men and our women in uniform during one of the greatest times of need of their lives. And that if I was going to continue to serve these soldiers, then I must be willing to die to self and to live for Christ. From that day forward, I lost all fear. I became literally a dead man walking. I didn't know if I would live or whether I'd die on that deployment, but I knew that either way, I belonged to God. On a foot patrol that I went on shortly after, we encountered some enemy fighters. We were in the midst of this grape field in Afghanistan. They grow grapes on these mud uh, walls that are about four feet high. And they grow the grapes on the shady side so that it protects them from the heat of the day. And so we're walking between all these mud walls and uh, among these grape vines. And, and we encountered these enemy fighters. And all my men started firing back. And in the midst of this time, I looked at them. I began walking and talking, encouraging them. And then I saw in front of me this cluster of grapes ripe and ready to eat. 
I was so at peace in the midst of that time that I picked that cluster of grapes and I began to eat them. And as I walked among the men, I remember one young man said to me, he said, sir, how can you be so at ease during a firefight? And I said, well, what do I have to worry about? I've got 30 of the greatest war fighters surrounding me. I have nothing to fear. But inside I knew the real truth was that I had that peace because I knew that I belonged to God and that my life was his. And no matter what happened that day, whether I lived or died, my life belonged to God. Amen. Your life belongs to the Lord as well. And whether we live or whether we die, we all know that our hope is in Christ. And we long for that reunion one beautiful day. Know that you belong to God and that he calls you by name. He calls you out of the darkness and out of your fear because you belong to him. The fourth reason that we can trust God this morning is because God is with us. Look at verse 2 with me. The scripture says that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I love this verse. I love this promise of God is reminiscent of Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, which says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. It reminds me also of the soothing words of David in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4, where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Very early in the deployment, I was on a patrol that walked into a three-way ambush. I remember that as we were going down this road, with, again, with mud walls on each side, a man stepped out into the road and began to fire an automatic um, rifle at us, uh, a Russian-made rifle. And, and quickly, though, my men reacted and were eliminated that threat. But at the same time, men opened up from both sides of the, of the road on us, and, and we were pinned down. My men began to fight back, firing in every direction. We went uh, black on mortars, which means that we ran out. We began to run out of ammunition. And at that time, the first sergeant who was with us uh, got on the radio and called back to the nearest base to Talcan, and he said, uh, we need support by f uh, mortar fire, support by fire. And so he called in the coordinates, and then he yelled over to me. He said, Chaplain, I need you to move from where you're at and get in behind me in this little compound. I've called for support by fire just in case they get off with their coordinates. So myself and my religious affairs specialist, uh, who is really my, my, my protector on those kind of foot patrols, moved over behind the first sergeant, and he called for fire, and, and I couldn't believe it. That round hit right where I had been kneeling just moments before, right there in the road. God was with me. That first sergeant panicked. He couldn't believe that he almost killed the chaplain. It was never the same after that. Unfortunately, we had to send him home uh, for some um, mental, medical help. But I found myself laughing in that moment. And he looked at me and he said, why are you laughing? And I said, because I know God is with me. There's no other way to explain what just happened. God protected me. In the midst of that journey, God had a plan, and he worked in the midst of that plan to bring me through that 
that I might continue to minister the gospel to our men and women in uniform. I'm thankful today that no matter what I'm facing, God is with me. He will never leave me and he will never forsake me. In life and in death, God says, I am with you. In sickness and in injury, God says, I am with you. In divorce or betrayal, God says, I am with you. And even in the worst days of my life, caused by bad choices that I have made, God says, I am with you. We can trust God this morning because he is with us. Amen. Fifth is this. We can trust God this morning because we are precious in God's eyes and we are loved. Look with me at verses 3 and 4. He says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Do you know this morning that you are precious in God's eyes and you are honored and that God loves you? If you walk away with no other truth this morning, I want you to understand that God loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, the apostle Paul writes, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can be assured of this this morning, that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then you have nothing to fear. You are precious to God, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Finally, this, the sixth point this morning. We can trust God. You can trust God because God will gather us back home. Look with me at verses 5, 6, and 7. He says, fear not, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed, and whom I made. It's interesting to note here that the older I get, the more I long to be gathered home to my Savior. Amen. Perhaps you long for that as well. But notice with me in verse 7, there's a caveat to this whole story. To all the promises that God has made here, God says that these promises and this gathering that we long for is for everyone who is called by my name. These promises and this gathering is for those who have been who have called upon the name of Jesus. Perhaps you're here this morning or listening online and you have never called upon the name of Jesus. In the midst of this time, you sense a separation. 
that maybe that God is far from you in the darkness of this current world. And I implore you to cry out to Jesus, to call upon the name of Jesus. The scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. May today be the day of celebration for all of us here this morning. As we look to Jesus, if you're called by his name, if you're covered with the blood of Jesus, know that you have no reason to be afraid. God is with you. I don't know what it is that you're going through this morning. I don't know what the challenges are that you're facing. I don't know what that darkness looks like that you are struggling to walk through, but know that God is with you. Do not be afraid. God loves you. He's made you. He's created you. He's redeemed you. He's with you. No matter what it is, God is there. And he wants you to trust him this morning. As our music minister comes, as we prepare to sing this final song, I want to invite you to come to the Lord. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you that, to come and call upon his name. May today be that day of salvation for you. And if you do know Lord, the Lord Jesus as your Savior this morning, but you find yourself struggling much like I was in Afghanistan, I invite you to come and just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and, and say, Jesus, help me. Help me to trust. Walk with me through this darkness. Let us pray. Almighty God, I am grateful for your word this morning and the fact that we don't need to fear because you are with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. I pray all this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.